blustery, windy kind of days out there today, and uh, very windy. In fact, I thought, you know, there's strong enough winds during the night. It's entirely possible we'd lose power, entirely possible we would lose um, internet, all of that. But God has spared us, and here we are, a little uh, not excited to go outside and look around and see if there's any damage on the roof or things like that, but... um, Hey, it is what it is. We'll take what is and uh, just move into the day. That's what we will do today. And uh, as life comes at us, okay, you just take it as it comes. That's what we do and do it with Jesus. Walk with Jesus. Trust in Jesus as life comes at us. Well, we're in Luke chapter 15 today, and uh, we are talking this morning about when sinners come home. 
uh, Jesus gives three parables in this passage. This chapter, the whole chapter has three, three parables. And uh, we will look at uh, all three of them this morning, I think, uh, and uh, draw conclusions out of them uh, and uh, learn about just the, the wonder of when sinners come home. That, that's, that's the title this morning. So let's jump in and uh, I say good morning to our uh, Floridian joining us here this morning, I see. Uh, good morning. Um, Luke 15, verse 1. Here we go. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. But the Pharisees and teachers of law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. I mean, they were considering the type of folk he was associating with, and they didn't think too highly of the type of folk he was associating with. Just look at what it says. This man eats with sinners, uh, welcomes sinners and eats with him. A, he shouldn't welcome them, and B, he shouldn't eat with them. And Jesus told this parable. Uh, suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Uh, I, I like to take this verse, verse 7, and kind of paraphrase it this way. There is a party in heaven when someone repents. When someone comes to Christ, there is a party in heaven. And, and yeah, we could think about how uh, the Lord is, is pleased with, with those of us who are living our righteous lives. I mean, that does bring God pleasure as we live our righteous lives and, and live, try to live like Christ and try to pursue after holiness. I mean, that, that does honor and glorify God. But God is has on his heart the lost, a burden for the lost. And, and when you consider this parable, notice what it says. Does he not, up in verse 4, does he not leave the 99 in open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? He goes looking. He goes hunting. And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And he calls his friends, neighbors together and says, rejoice with me. I've found my lost sheep. I mean, there ought to be that type of hallelujah shout. There ought to be that type of, hey, let's all come together. Someone came to Christ uh, in that type of a party. And uh, again, I've said this before. I know I sound like a broken record. Uh, this is not something that I think we should always think, oh, the church is the place. The building of the church is the place where people come to Christ. Friends, I will tell you, globally, that is not the place where it's happening. Globally, it is as people are working together and they're leading people to Christ at work. As people are dining together and they're leading people to Christ in relationships at a restaurant. Uh, they are having people in their homes and having conversation and they're leading people to Christ in their homes. They're having events in the streets where they're proclaiming Jesus and people are coming to faith in Jesus on the streets. 
that's not to say it can't happen at the church, but we've gotten this Western mentality that really misses the mark. We are to go. We are to be out sharing Christ as we're going. We have an out 1.5 hours on a Sunday, and then you have the whole rest of the week. Uh, now, again, we rejoice when we see people come to faith in Christ in the church service. Don't get me wrong. We're, we're glad for that. But far too many Christians make it the expectation that it's going to happen at the church service and then don't do any of the work that needs to be taking place uh, Sunday afternoon through through the following Sunday morning. That work of building relationships, that, that work of uh, having Discovery Bible studies, uh, that that work of posting things on, on Facebook, as some of you do as a witness for Christ, that work of going and, and, and getting together with a person, all of this should be a part of what we're doing. And, and we see here in this passage, this parable, and I need to get back into the parable here, uh, he goes and looks for, are we out looking for lost sheep? Lost sheep are lost people. Now, I think there are really two classifications we can give to lost sheep. And I'm going to humble myself this morning and say, I, I didn't do a good job of this second category as a pastor. I, I'm going to own this one. Uh, I just am. And uh, uh, I'm guilty. I have to say I'm guilty before God. I'm guilty before you. And the second one, the idea of going out and looking for the lost sheep, um, people who leave the church, uh, and there are people, and it's hard in our day, especially in the West, especially here in America, because there are so many options, and people get so fussy about things. And you know, if you say just the wrong thing, they're they're out the door. If you don't look at them just the right way, or look at them just the wrong way, they're out the door. Or some other church has something shiny going on, and that's where they decide to go. I mean, people church hop in America all the time, and as a pastor, that that gets tough on you. When that type of thing happens, uh, and and you just kind of get to the point where you get numb to it, but I can think of situations of, of not going after the ninety nine. I am going to humble myself. I'm going to say that was never a strong suit ever uh, for me as a pastor, and I am guilty of not going after the missing. Uh, that is a, that is a ministry. We have a, a lady in our church who was so good for so many years. Uh, every Every Monday or even Sunday after church, she would give me a list of who was there and who wasn't. She had formed a checklist. Her name is Jean, Mama Jean. And uh, so you, uh, she would give me a checklist of who was there. Now, what happened was the church grew so much, she just couldn't keep up with all the people, didn't know all the people and, and all of that. Um, but she was so very, very good at that. And, and that is a ministry. In a church, there are two aspects of that need to happen. Peer sharing, where we teach people how to share Christ with their peers, whether they're 90-year-old peers or 19-year-old peers, uh, and also peer caring, where we care for our peers, those in the church. And if a church can build strong peer sharing and peer caring, it can be a strong church. So going after lost sheep. Notice he goes and looks and looks and looks, and it says, and when he finds it, in verse 5, it says, when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home, calls his friends and neighbors and says, rejoice, I found my lost sheep. 
And he says, I tell you, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Notice it says sinners, and it says repent. There are people in our day who would rather that those words were not the words that were used. Let's not talk about people's sins. You know, let's talk about the encouragement that they need. Uh, No, let's talk about people's sins. Sin is what trips us up. Sin is what gets in our way. Sin is what keeps us from God. Uh, Sin is, is why we're guilty before God and deserving of punishment. But when we turn from ourselves in repentance and turn from sin in repentance and turn to God, then our names become written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, second parable that he gives is the parable of the lost coin. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? I mean, if she only has ten, loses one. That That's significant. It says, when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The one who repents. And, and, and so she's looking for silver and she finds it and she calls people together and Jesus says, uh, you know, there's this rejoicing. She wants them to rejoice. And it would be like uh, you're walking around with, with, with a couple and I got to think of what this might be like in our day with with $1,000 in your pocket and somehow you lose that $1,000 of cash uh, and you go around looking for that 1000 You might have $10,000 of cash and, uh, but you lose the thousand somewhere. It's like, where did I lose that thousand? And you start looking and then, then you, you find it. I mean, that, that silver coin was a significant piece of, of her financial uh, wherewithal. And it was a big deal to her to find it. And she looked and looked and looked and was able to share the rejoicing. I found it. Then there's the, the third parable that, that we're familiar with, the parable of the prodigal son. What does what is a prodigal? A prodigal is one who strays from the right way, the one who leaves uh, right relationships. So Jesus continues and said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he, the father, divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Yes, drinking and eating and carousing and, and all that he did. It says, after he spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country. and He began to be in need. So he went out and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to feed his pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. See the humility taking place here? He says, I'm no longer worthy to be called your, to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. 
don't call me son. Just, just let me be a servant. Let me be a slave. So he got up, went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. Now, this one verse, the father was looking. The father was waiting. The father was watching. It says, while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, was filled with compassion. He ran to him, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. If that is not a picture of love, I don't know what is. I mean, the father still had the estate, still had the ranch to run, uh, and uh, still had servants working for him, still had another son at home. But his mind was on that son who had left. And he's standing on the porch, standing in the window, wherever. And he looks up the road. He's watching the horizon. He sees the sun and it says, well, he's still a long way off. He saw him as filled with compassion. It's like, could be, is that my son? Maybe he recognized the, the, the way the sun walked. Maybe he was distant enough, yet close enough that he could, could make out his face. Who knows? But, but the father saw him while he was away. A long way off, he was filled with compassion for him, ran to him, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. What What do we often do with people? What we so often do with people is we don't show compassion. We don't throw our arms around people. We don't kiss them when they come home. It's like, well, you know, too often we stand in the, in the place to judge. Well, I told you so. If you would have just listened to me, then you would have had this problem or you know, you're such an embarrassment to me, or you're such an embarrassment to the church, or you're such an embarrassment to look at the posture of the Father. Compassion, pursuit, embrace, the holiness of a kiss of love. This is the posture we should have for lost people not one of standing in judgment. And I've seen so many Christians who want to stand in judgment of the non-Christian world. Friends, we, 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 sh- we should have compassion and brokenness and prayerfulness for the lost. That should be the posture of our hearts. Verse 22 continues and says, The father said to his servants, Quick, bring the, bring the best robe. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet, the, the ring, the family ring, the family signet ring. Bring the fat and calf and kill it. Now, this is what wasn't any calf. This was a particular calf that was being saved up either for sacrifice uh, at the place of sacrifice or for a special occasion, a feast. Uh, those would be a few reasons for this particular calf being fattened and, and grain grain finished and all of that. So bring that fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He is lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. But notice that the posture of the older son, and too many times we see this in the church. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, and he came near the house. He heard the music and the dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? Response was, your brother has come home and your father has killed the fat and calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. 
yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could have a party with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fat and calf. Just, just look at the attitude of this other brother, the older brother. Notice, it's like, I've done all this for you, Lord. He's so focused on himself. And sometimes as Christians, unfortunately, we get that way. We get so focused on ourselves. And we become very diminutive, very dismissive uh, of we turn our we turn our noses toward people or away from or turn our noses at turn our faces away from people uh, who have majorly failed. What should we do? We should take the posture of the father, not the posture of the older son. If you if you ever around a Christian and they they're acting like an older son, say you know what you're like the older son in the parable of the prodigal, and your life stinks right now. Tell them that they need to know that. I mean, just look at the attitude he had. All these years I've slaved for you, I've done all these things, and yet somebody comes home, and your son comes home, and, you know, he doesn't get the fact. What the father says in verse 31, my son, you're always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He is lost and he's now found. That's why we had to celebrate. Now we could we could ask ourselves a question: Which who do we relate with most in in this parable? I mean, you could relate with the father. You you could be a parent who has a child who is, is wayward, uh, or a grandchild who is wayward, uh, or you could be a child who has a parent who is wayward. It, it can go any. Any number of directions, a relative, a, a friend, a colleague, a coworker, someone that you've known for years, and they go off the rails. You know, so is your heart like the father's heart? You have compassion and you're looking for that one. Is your heart like the prodigal's heart? Are you in a place where you've wandered from God and need to come back? Notice the response God will have for you. You come back humbly as this prodigal son came back. And the father is going to throw a party for you because you've come home. Or is your attitude and your posture like the older brother that's like, hmm, he's a loser and you're doing all this for him. What's the posture of your heart? This whole chapter, all three parables really exemplify and amplify the attitude of heaven when a sinner comes home. There is a party. There's a party in heaven. There's a party on earth. And, and, and we should be celebratory when we see lost people come to faith. We should be celebratory when we see Christians that have wandered from the fold come back to the fold. We should be celebratory when we see people who are, are not only wandered from the fold, but have rejected the fold to come home. And that should be the, the posture even of our prayers. Lord, bring people home. Bring people, bring the wayward back. Those that are Christians that know better, bring them back. And there are many things that cause Christians to fall off the rails. So many things. Our sins cause us to fall off the rails. Sins of others cause us to fall off the rails in, in, in a couple different ways. Sometimes we see the, the sins of, of, of a leader or of leaders or sins of other Christians, and we go, if that's the way it's going to be in Christianity or the church, I don't want it. Uh, 
I talked to a man yesterday that, that you know, said I get so disappointed in what I see in churches and things so misplaced. Uh, and he said, I just, I have a hard time being a part of, of a church and I love Jesus. And he, he, man, he showed me his Bible. It's all, it's used. It's a well-worn Bible. And, uh, somebody that I think was wanting to begin to witness to me actually, uh, yesterday. And, uh, I, I just inquired about church. I, I really don't have a church home. I used to be part of this church family and this is what I experienced. And it's a church family that I knew. And I used to be part of this church family this is what I experienced, and, and so I, I'm not a part of, of one right now. And I get those things, and yet we belong in the church. We belong with other believers. That The Bible makes it very, very abundantly clear. Sometimes people wander away from the church because they've been wounded, they've been hurt, they've been disillusioned, they've been disappointed. And so what do we do? We pray for them. We reach out. We try to model the life of Jesus in front of them so that they'll want to come to Jesus back to Jesus or back to the church, or sometimes a church has to humble itself and say, we really blew it. We really missed the mark. You know, we were all about ourselves and all about our accolades and all about what people thought of us and all about, and not about legitimately loving the lost or the wayward. Lots of reasons why people become wayward. Uh, God disappoints them because he doesn't answer their prayers and a loved one becomes ill and sick and, and, and maybe dies or has cancer or something like that. We, we have all of these things uh, that, that do trip people up. And our prayer should be for them. Our pursuit should be of them. Our compassion should be demonstrated toward them that they would come home. Jesus makes a, a, a great case for for spending time with the sinful people. We spend time with the sinful people that they might come home. We spend time with the sinful people that we might uh, share Christ with them. Not in, not in judgment of, well, you know, you're a sinner, you need to get out of that, but, you know, God loves you, and, and, and he knows all about your sins. He knows all about my sins. We're all sinful, and he wants to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of our sins and to make us a new creation. And uh, so we spend time with sinners to communicate that message to them. May our hearts be like the Father's heart. May we be like that one, that shepherd that goes out and looks for the lost sheep. May we have the heart for the lost that God our Father has for the lost. May we have compassion for those that go wayward. And may we seek to bring them home. Lord, give us a heart like your heart. Help us to not stand in judgment, because but for the grace of God, there go I. Help us rather to be prayerful and to lift people to you, Lord, and to seek to draw wayward ones home and lost people into the fold. Lord, make us more like Jesus in our pursuit, in our compassion, in our love. In Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, have a good day. See you tomorrow.